Hello, Gospel for Grampian listeners. It's Angelina and Myrtle coming to you from Women of Africa Care on this beautiful 9th March. Can you believe it, Myrtle? We're on our second week in March. Time is going so swiftly, and we pray that with the swiftness of time, we are also productive and active and keep with the pace of time. Today, our listeners, we've got an absolutely amazing topic. It is a topic that is relevant. It is essential for born-again Christians to apply. We are going to be talking about what is prayer and why we pray. How are you today, Myrtle? I am blessed because I'm the daughter of the Most High King and I am loved by Him. And I've got a verse for you, Angelina, Psalm 4.1. Hear me when I call. Oh God of my righteousness, you have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. You know, there David is calling on God and he asks him, hear my prayer, because he asks him for something. And, you know, God is a good God. And you know what I love uh, about how you describe God when you said you are blessed because you are the beloved and accepted of the Lord. And when we hear about David talking to the Father, there's something common between you in what you said and what David said. You have to have a personal relationship for you to be able to say, I'm blessed and loved of God. A person that doesn't have a relationship with Lord cannot be able to make that kind of comment, I'm blessed and I'm loved by God, and cannot have that kind of prayer like David did where he said, hear me, Lord, when I call. Only a person that has a relationship with the Lord that can say that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know about you, Myrtle, but when you actually listen to the different types of religions, even in Christianity, people that don't have a relationship with the Lord will only present petition and go legalistic in their prayer. They won't even go, hello, God, how are you? Dear Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. They'll say whatever they need to say, and then they say, amen. There's no relationship in the prayer. There's a format, there's a legalistic way of praying, but a person that really engages the Lord will go, good morning, Father. How are you? I love you. Thank you for this beautiful day. That's the kind of relationship that that happens when we pray. Why we? What, what is prayer? Prayer is a conversation with God. It is fellowship. I mean, I think about Romans 8, 15, just like what David was going through, Jesus was experiencing that. And Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. A relationship with the living God helps you to be able to connect and make these kind of conversations with the Lord. You will be able to pick up whether a person has a relationship or not with the Lord by the way they engage God in prayer. Prayer is a two-way discussion, a communication, a fellowship with a living God. So why we pray? We pray because we're in conversation with God. We're in fellowship with the Lord. How can I have a relationship with my children and my husband if I don't communicate daily? Our sons are not with us. They don't live with us. But every day we greet each other in the morning and we greet each other in the evening. We have a communication, interactive discussion. So what is that? If we don't have communication, we will not be having a relationship. So prayer is having a relationship. It it feeds your relationship with the living God. Let's read some quotations on prayer, what people say prayer is. Mother Teresa says, 
Prayer enlarges the heart until it's capable of containing God's gift of himself. So prayer enlarges the heart until it is capable of containing God's gift of himself. So what she's saying is when you pray, you understand God's heart and you understand God. Yeah, Angelina, you know, for me, prayer is Father God and Jesus is my friend. Yes. I speak to him like I speak to you. Yes. If I want something from him, I'm not going to say, please, Lord Jesus, you know, a long conversation. I'm going to make it short and sweet. I'm going to say, my father, you know how much I love you. You know what I'm going through at the moment. Please do this and that for me. I speak to him as if it's my friend. Because you have a relationship with him. That's true, Angelina. I've got to uh, do not make prayer a monologue. Make it a conversation. And the author is unknown. But, but what I like what you're saying there, it's just confirming what you said now, where you don't have to have a long monologue discussion with the Lord about a matter. He's your loving Father, and He knows exactly what you're going to ask Him. Right? Yeah, He, he knows. Before you even ask Him, He knows what you're going to so ask So you might him. as well do it strategically like you're saying, Daddy, you know I love you, and I know you love me. Please, can you help? That's what you do. Yeah, that, right? that's how I speak. Yes, this one by the Catholicism of the Catholic Church. And they say, a vital and personal relationship with the living and true God. This relationship is prayer. Wow. So if you don't pray, you actually don't have a relationship with the living God. That's true, Angelina. And uh, Mother Teresa says, God speaks in a silent of the heart. Listening is the beginning of prayer. Wow. So here, I love what you're saying. So here we think we talking is the be all and end all of prayer because that is how most people have been taught to, to pray. Just go there, say what you need to say and get out. And and meanwhile, like I love what Mother Teresa is saying, listening is the beginning of prayer because you've not said what you need to now, Lord. Silent. I'm, I'm embracing what you're going to tell me. Yes, speak, Lord. Your servant listens. Wow. Amen. I, I love this one by Charles Spurgeon. He says, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. Like Myrtle says, don't bring it monologue. It's not a vocal performance or a mental exercise. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Amen. How deep is that? What is a transaction? Exactly what Myrtle was saying. I talk and God talks and we both talk and we both reach an, a, 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 you know, an outcome, a desired outcome after that conversation. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Quotations we picked up from Jesus Resources online at Xavier Education. So if you want to read up some really interesting quotes from, from key people out there that understand what God is and have a relationship with the Lord, go into www.excavia.edu and you can pick up those beautiful quotations. So what I picked up, Myrtle, when, when I was going through our research on the topic about prayer, because like I saying, it's easier for us to do it than to explain it. So you have to go do some research in order to explain it. And so through the research, we picked up that Somebody wrote, 
Prayer is acts of fellowship with God. Acts as in an acronym. Act, A means adoration, worship. C means contrition, repentant. T means thanksgiving, gratitude. And S means supplication, dependence on God, seeking God for help. So when we pray, it is an act of, it's an act of fellowship with God. Meaning I go to God and I do what Myrtle says. Oh God, I love you. You're amazing. That is adoring the Lord. I'm worshiping him by telling him, I love you. You're amazing. You're awesome. And then I repent because I understand I'm in the presence of holiness. And when you're in the presence of holiness, even though the Bible says we are as righteous as Christ is, when you're in the presence of God, you begin to see yourself. Oh Lord, I'm a sinner. Please, I humble myself in your presence. Please, Lord, help me. Help me to be a good person because you're in the presence of goodness. So it commands goodness. And so therefore, a person that comes into the presence of the Lord, besides worshiping the Lord and telling the Lord how wonderful he is, you go and say, Lord, I am sorry if I've hurt you. It's like a child who has been naughty. When they come into the presence of their parents, hi, mommy, I love you so much. Mommy, I'm very sorry that I hurt you yesterday when I didn't wash the dishes. That is what repentance is. When you're in the presence of God, you never need God to tell you your heart's not right. You just know, whoa, my heart's not right. I'm in the presence of goodness. I better say, daddy, I'm sorry. So so you, you worship God. You are contrite in heart, meaning you're repentant. You have a heart that wants to turn away from things that disturb pleases God. And then you begin to thank God. You have gratitude. So there's thanksgiving in everything that you do. Oh Lord, I'm so thankful that for the bread that you've given me. I'm so thankful for the roof that you've given me, that I have a home. Lord, I'm thankful for a healthy body. Oh wow, Lord, this fruit in my garden is so delicious. Thank you for giving us fruit. You know, a heart of thanksgiving embraces everything that God gives us. And so as part of uh, our fellowship with the Lord, You are thankful for everything he's given us on the earth. And then lastly, supplication, meaning I now depend on God. Lord, I need help. Like Myrtle says, Lord, I love you. I worship you. You're so amazing. Lord, I need help today. Please, can you help me? That is what it is all about. I get to a point of, Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm sorry if I displeased you. Lord, I thank you for the food you've given me. Lord, I need some help now. Can you help me? That is a simple way of saying the acts of fellowship with God in prayer is, I love you, Lord. That is worship. I adore you. I'm sorry, Lord, which is contrite heart, repentant. I'm thankful, Lord. Thank you for the bread that I have. And Lord, I have some needs. Please, can you help? That is supplication. So a simple way for our listeners to understand how to pray and get it right and have a healthy relationship with God is apply the acronym ACTS. Adore God when you start praying. Then you'll see how wonderful he is. Repent, knowing that we are all born as sinners and we need to transform into holiness. Repent of things in your life that displeases him. You don't need God to show you. Just being in his presence and seeing how beautiful he is, you will know the state of your heart and what to say sorry for. And then being thankful for everything. And lastly, then you present your need to him. Don't go with a, dear God, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. 
That is using God. That's not relationship. I mean, I think about it. Imagine that middle. You don't have a relationship with your kids, but every time they call you, they want gimme, 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 mom. Wouldn't that disappoint you? Of course, Angelina. You can't just give and not uh, uh, get back. You are, it's a gift, love and gift relationship. It's a two-way two-way relationship. relationship. It's a transaction, like exactly. Charles Spurgeon says. I mean, if my children always called on me because they wanted help, but they never ever checked on me if I'm okay, that would disturb me. It's you, like you what will be if you see their name on your telephone, you will be oh no, not again. What am I? Am I the transaction? Am I the bank for my children that they're always calling me for 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 needs, but they're not there to have a relationship with me? So so that's the same with God. Don't call him because you need things. Let your need be the last thing you ask him when you engage him. Like the acts, the supplication comes last. The love, the adoration, the thankfulness comes up front. You know, you want to move my hand. Be thankful for me. You know, um, if you've done wrong to me, say sorry. Then you move my hand. But if you come straight and never ever engage me and suddenly want things out of me, it disturbs me. I mean. You know, so what is prayer, Myrtle? Uh, What is prayer? Billy Graham says, prayer is spiritual communication between man and God. A two-way relationship in which man should not only talk to God, but also listen to him. Prayer is to God is like a child's conversation with his father. It is natural for a child to ask his father for the things he needs. When you receive Christ Jesus into your heart, you become a child of God and have the privilege of talking to him in prayer at any time about anything. The Christian life is a personal relationship to God through Jesus Christ. The best of all is a relationship that will last for all eternity. Wow. Can you imagine? Wow, wow. Angelina, I can't, my brain is too small to think how good God is. Yes. When I pray and I get, and he answer me through the Holy Spirit, I feel like a million dollar. I know that my father is there for me when I need him. Yes. You know, so I love what Myrtle is saying. So what we did when we did this, what is prayer? We went and we, we investigated what are famous people or renowned people that had a relationship with the Lord had to say about what is prayer to them. And I love what Myrtle was reading out on Billy Graham. He says it's a two-way communication between God and man. I love it. And it is a relationship that is lasting for eternity. So we need to build it. Don't go to heaven and regret that your time on the earth, you you actually were ignorant and never got to enjoy an eternal relationship that could have started in on the earth already. Let's read what Don Stewart says. He wrote from the Blue Letter Bible. Don Stewart says, the Bible has many things to say about the subject of prayer. Prayer is talking to God. It is our way of communicating our thoughts, our needs, and our desires to Him. It is an avenue that God has provided for the believer of making known the deepest feelings of our heart. Prayer is an act, not merely an attitude. Think about it. Imagine you go stand, you have an attitude of prayer, but you're actually not acting it out because an attitude of prayer is where you're mentally thinking you're praying to something or someone. 
but an act of prayer is where you actually give your heart into it. You express emotions. You put your hands up. You lay prostrate uh, in a prostrate position. That is an act and an, uh, of prayer, not merely an attitude in your mind that, okay, God exists, let me pray. And, and he says, this can be seen by the way the scripture speaks of people praying. If you want to know about prayer as being an act, I urge you to go and read up the book of Psalms. It is such an amazing book to read up of the two-way conversation between God and David. The Bible says that David had a heart after God. When you have a heart after God, then you pray in, as an act, not just an attitude. I also love what Randall Nile says. He says, prayer is our direct line with heaven. Prayer is a communication process that allows us to talk to God. He wants us to communicate with him like a person-to-person -person phone call. Wow. Cell phones and other devices have become a necessity to some people in today's society. I don't know if it's some people. I think all people. And we have Bluetooth devices, Blackberries, and talking computers. These are means of communication that allow two or more people to interact and discuss and respond to one another. And likewise, that is what prayer does. That is what prayer does. Uh, Julia Oates, Oates, prayer in the Bible is how believers of God talk to him. It's how they make their praise and requests known. The scriptures are filled with beautiful examples of people crying out to God and asking Him for His strength, guidance, healing, and more. That is what prayer actually is, Angelina. And then there's another one. I, I love what you're saying there. You know, when you're saying that that is what it is, you're reminding me of the people in Israel. The people in Israel... When they were in Egypt, they cried out to God because when God went to Moses, he said, the cries of my people have come to me. They were crying. The Israelites in Egypt were crying to God that because they were enslaved. And their crying came to God that he found Moses in the wilderness and he said, come, get out of there now. I need you to come rescue my people because they are crying, bond enslaved in Egypt, and I need you to help them. So so crying out to God is not abnormal as a Christian. He's a living God, and he expects you as a, as a child of God to go to him as his, as who is our daddy to help you when you have a need. Now, we've explained to you what prayer is. Now, let us explain what is the purpose of prayer in much detail. Billy Graham says, There are many promises in God's word to encourage us to pray, such as, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. Psalm 91 15. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Isaiah 65 24. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Matthew 7 7. These scriptures tell us that we are to pray for one another and also it assures us that God hears and answers our prayers. So we pray because we have needs, not just because we're having a relationship with the Lord, but because we, when we became born again, we are no longer of this world, even though we're in this world. So as a born again Christian, how we do life on the earth has to be done God's way. 
So we need to always call upon God to direct us on how to live as a new born again Christian on the earth. Because before we became born again, we were ruled by the devil. So our spirit man was dead to the things of God and alive to the flesh. It was alive to the senses. It was alive to human understanding. It was alive to what you see makes sense. The truth is what you see. You don't need faith in God. You need faith in, I will, I will believe if I see. Many people say this, I will only believe if I see. That is the world's way of dealing with life. I have to see everything in order to believe it. I have to physically touch it in order to see if it is my reality. But then when we become born again, we have to recondition our mind to know that my believing is in not what I see in the natural, but what God's word says. So in order for us to be, to be uh, living out the born-again, spiritful life, the resurrected life in Christ Jesus, prayer is the foundation and the key for us to succeed in the natural as a born-again Christian, because we are no longer now that directed by the natural senses. We are directed by the word of God, which is spirit and life. And that life comes through conversation with God. We have to uh, walk by faith and not by sight. That's what the Bible says. And then Julia... Well, before you go to your, your comment uh, now, you said something so pertinent. We have to walk by faith and not by sight. And, and in the absence of prayer, people walk by sight. That's right, Angelina. Then they, they want to... People experience uh, what is God will for their life. That's why walk by uh, faith and not by sight. Yes. You can't work, walk by sight if you have faith. Uh, and I'm also thinking, our Gospel for Grandpin listeners, this is very pertinent what we're saying here. You know, if you're a born-again Christian and you don't have a relationship with the living God, when you are in your time of trouble, the last person you're going to go to is God for counsel. You're going to do it man's way, the flesh way. While you might be born again, you're going to do it the way the world does it. When you're in trouble, you're going to go to the world to help you get out of the trouble. You're going to end up in debt. You're going to end up in anxiety. You're going to get up depressed and you're going to fall apart. But that is if you don't understand the value of having a relationship with the living God. But when you are born again and you have a relationship, that conversation with God, you'll understand the value of prayer. Like David would say, even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You will never have to go and say, I'll only believe if I see like doubting Thomas did. You can be a doubting Thomas and try it the world's way. Then you don't need the relationship with the Lord and you're going to respond uh, to your situation the way the world does and it is going to lead you to death. You're going to perish. Or you can decide to do it the way Jesus did and not doubting Thomas's way. Uh, and, and Jesus did it as well as, as David did it. Oh, Father God, I need help. I love you. You are God. And there's no one else on the earth that can help me the way you can. Because I have been saved by you. Therefore, I'm coming to my Savior, my God, my Creator, who is owner of everything and ruler of everything. There's no better counsel in the world than the counsel from heaven. Why we pray, Angelina, we do it every single morning in our company. We start charge up for the day when we start our day with God, that we feel so good and have energy to do our work. 
That's why we're good in our work because of God, because of prayer. Yes. We lift each other up in prayer. Yes. What more can it's so profound, Angelina, that uh, you can't start your day without God. Then you use negative the whole day, but start your day with God, and your day is positive the whole day. You're in that perfect peace space. Amen. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Julia Oates tells us the purpose of prayer in the Bible is to make your prayer praise of request known to God. Through prayer, man and woman of God were able to ask him for deliverance, mercy, healing, and miracles. Miracles. Miracles comes out of prayer, Angelina. The reason Christians pray today is for the same reason why people prayed in the Bible, to speak to God and ask for healing, forgiveness, and direction. If I need direction, Angelina, the only way I'm going to do it is go on my knees and ask God what to do. Let your will be done and not mine. Yep. Then she says, praying is how Christians grow a deeper relationship with Christ and how they know the direction you want their life to go into. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I love that part, Myrtle. In When we call to God, he will show us things we do not know because why? The things of God are spirit. The things of God are for spiritual kingdom. And with our earth eyes, we are limited to, to natural things. So we do not know. God is right there. We, when we call to him, he will show us things we do not know because the flesh doesn't know what's in the spirit. Amen. When you're not engaging in the spirit, you're not engaging with heaven, you do not know what heaven has for you. You cannot quote Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of harm, thoughts to give you a hope and expected end. How on earth are you going to see that expected end when you are in the flesh? When you're not looking to God for counsel and direction and inspiration, but you're looking in the natural sensory way because your mind is telling you it makes sense to do it like this. Everything in the natural is making sense to you to do it like this because that is exactly what happened with Job. Everything in the natural made sense to his friends and everybody else, including his wife. And she said, curse God and die. But in his world, he saw the things they didn't know. He had a personal conversation with the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. He knew that everything he has comes from God. So when he lost everything, he didn't go to the world to recover it because he knew it came from God. So what did he do? At the time when everybody came and looked at him and pitied him and, and told him, you are the reason you did something wrong, that's why you're in this position. What did Job do, Myrtle? He put he sackcloth. Was on and he was sitting there. And guess what? He was praying for his friends. But but before he prayed for his friends, what did he do? He worshipped worship God. He, he did worshiping with everything. Yes, that he, had. he did the acts of the ACTS. The first thing he did when he, when he was in the problem was the Bible said he put on sackcloth. He sat in the sand and, and, and he, he adored God. God. He praised God. He worshipped God. That is what it is about because he understood 
The Bible says that he saw God. He understood that everything he had, the wealth, the prestige, the prominent role came from God. So when everything is lost, he's not going to go to the people he knew when he was wealthy. He's not going to go to the people that, that, that was popular amongst him. He went to God because he knew God blessed him and only God can understand his heart on the matter. You know, Angelina, and he, he had such a good relationship with God that God restored back double what he lost. And, and interesting enough, when you say double, I, I come back to what you said here. Julia Oates says, and this comes from the Bible, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. In the flesh, when Job lost everything, in the flesh it looked impossible and he was going to perish because his body was actually perishing. But he called unto God, and God showed him great and mighty things which the natural could not conceive. His friends thought he was going to die, and that is why his wife said, curse God and die. His friends said, repent because you've done all of these wrong things. Everybody in the natural tried to find something wrong with him. But he called upon the Lord, and God showed him which he didn't know. God showed him all the things that God created in the earth. And God said, you think my hands are not big enough to help you in your situation? Who created the foundations of the earth? God showed him who created the foundations of the earth. Who put the springs in the ocean, Joe? You? Who makes the earth spin without anything holding it, Job? Wisdom did it. You did it. God was showing him things he didn't know. And then God showed him. Pray for your friends. Do it my way. In the world's way, when people come and tell you, you are at fault, you've done everything wrong, and counsel you the wrong way. That's what, what his friends were doing. God turned around and told him, pray for them. And in return, God blessed him double of everything he had. In the world's way, when somebody comes and misleads you along the, along the wrong path, the world's way doesn't say pray for them. The world says Curse them, let them go, cut them off. They're bad people. They're misrepresenting everything. They are evil. Stay away from them. But God's ways of doing it is not the way the world does. And God says, bless them, for they know not what they do. And suddenly he got back double of everything he had. That is why you call on to God to tell you how to do things, because the world's way of doing it is reckless, is evil, is wicked, and it makes you ugly. So let's look at some of the examples in the Bible in terms of prayer. And this again comes from an inspiration from Julia Oates, this one. Julia talks about the example on Abraham who interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham pleads for mercy that God will spare the city if there are righteous people there. God preserves Lot and his family who chose to obey the angels and leave the place as judgment was to be actioned upon the place of God. God did not find 10 people within Sodom and Gomorrah who were righteous. Genesis 19.23 says, The Lord then rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. But look at it, Myrtle. Abraham said to God, If there's 50, will you still destroy? God said, No, if there's 50, I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. If there's 20 righteous people, if there's 10 righteous people, will you still destroy? God kept his word and said, No. If there are 10 righteous people, I wouldn't destroy. Only there were less than 10 people that were righteous. And thankfully, because of Abraham interceding for the righteous, the righteous was removed out of Sodom and Gomorrah. So prayer 
helps you pray for those people that need help but do not see that they are in problem and they don't know how to get out of it. Angelina, I'm going to talk about how the, uh, Jacob prayed for deliverance. Jacob, Jacob asked God for deliverance, Genesis 39, 9-12. He was about to meet with his brother Esau and was fearful. Jacob had taken Esau's blessing years ago and believed his brother would kill him. In the midst of his fear, he prayed to the Lord, saying, Save me, I pray, for the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your residence like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. When Jacob finally reunited with Esau, he is not killed. Instead, they both embraced each other and wept. Jacob's prayer was answered. Wow. Um, instead of Esau acting out in hatred and anger, he chose to love his brother and let go of the past. In the end, Esau blessed Jacob by giving him some of his men. Look what prayer does, Myrtle. Yes, it's so profound. Now you can see for yourself what is prayer doing. I am blessed by the story and now knowing that God hears our prayers even when we are afraid. Yes, yes. What an amazing inspiration by Julia Oates. We all know the story, but nobody understood that the success of this outcome was as a result of prayer. Everybody reads about how Jacob met his brother and peace. Uh, they were reconciled and how, um, you know, he got blessed by his brother. But the key was here, prayer. He prayed and he said to the Lord, I'm afraid my brother's going to kill me. I need your intervention. See what prayer does? Don't lose the focus that when you get to the point of seeing your desired outcome, you forget what instigated, what promoted that desired outcome. A conversation with God. You just have to trust God and his hand will be upon you. Yes. So I want to talk about Jesus' prayer life. Let's talk about the most important person, Jesus, the incarnate as man. When Jesus came to the earth, he was man like you and I. The only difference was he was without sin. The Bible says that he was tempted more than all of us with every kind of temptation, but he resisted every temptation. He was without sin. And here Jesus without sin prayed, prayed. He needed God the Father because he left his head, his deity, his powers, his position was born of man. Therefore he took on the nature of man yet was without sin. And he prayed. Now let's look at some of the examples of why Jesus prayed. John 5, 18, 19 says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Come on, Myrtle. I'm a daughter of God. I cannot see what my father is doing and follow it if I don't have a relationship with him. Amen. My God is spirit. 
I need to interact with him in spirit in order to see what he's doing so that I can do it. The Bible says the Father is spirit. If Jesus didn't pray daily in the spirit, he would have not had the enlightenment to see what the Father does and hear what the Father says and do it. Everything of God, his voice to us is in the spirit. He talks to us in our spirit man. He shows us in our spirit man what we ought to do. So if Jesus is saying that he could not do anything unless he engaged the Father, that means we too, within the absence of prayer, we can't do what God tells us to do because we ain't going to hear his voice and we can't see what he does in order to do it. So as born-again Christians, we have the same spirit Jesus has. The Bible says, commit your works to the Lord and he will establish you. You cannot be established by the Lord when you're saying, God, help me, but you're not having engaged interaction with God. You're not having that, you know, like Charles Spurgeon says, it's the transaction between you and God. I cannot get God's instructions to do life on the earth if I do not have that relationship of praying. Jesus could do what he saw the Father do and say what the Father told him to say because he had a prayer life with the Father. John 12, 49 says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command. What should I say and what should I speak? What are you saying, Gospel for Grampian listeners? What is the command God has given you on what you should say and what you should speak? If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, what authority is governing your speech? What command is directing what you should say and what you ought to speak? Without a relationship from the Lord, you are carnally directed. You are directed by what you are seeing in the world, but what your mind is telling you, which is in conflict to the word of God. So prayer gives you authority to command things to align to God's will for your life. Some of Jesus' prayer times highlighted in the Bible, it says in Matthew 14, 23, after Jesus had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. There's a time for you to go and do things for the Lord, and there's a time where you need to be alone with God. Do not get so busy serving the world that you forget to get a command from the Lord how to serve the world. So be like Jesus. Find time daily to go to the mountainside of life and pray. Pray to God. Go find your spot. Where's your mountainside? It can be your bedroom. It can be in the park. It can be in the lounge. It can be in your study. That's your mountainside where you pray to God because you cannot succeed on the earth the way God wants you to succeed. And he cannot show you what he wants to show you if you don't call to him. And calling to him means prayer. Then Jesus, in Matthew 26, 36, it says, Myrtle, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Jesus was going on a biggest assignment that any human being could ever do. He was going to go to the cross of Calvary the next day. And he knew that he needed prayer to accomplish that great assignment to save humanity. So he said, sit here while I go over there and pray, because he knew this is a big assignment. He needs a word from heaven. He needs a command from the Father. He knows what he must say when he is pressed in pain and emotions and hurt. What will come out of his mouth? Let your will be done, not mine, because my will is I ain't going there. I can't go there. I don't think that I can do this. But your will means that you're going to tell me how to do it. 
let your will be done. So he had to pray. So Angelina, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. That's in Mark 1, 35. Prayer. Jesus prayed. Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I mean, come on, I don't know about you, Myrtle, but the Bible says in the account of John at the last chapter, there is so much testimonies of the things Jesus did in that three and a half years that there is not enough space in the world to contain the books that will store up the testimonies. Three and a half years. That is why he prayed so often, because he needed to go and get command from heaven. I only do what the Father tells me to do and what I see the Father do. If he didn't go to lonely places and prayed, he would not have accomplished all those great things God's way. There's your way of doing it and you will never do enough. Your time will be wasted and insignificant. But when you go and spend time with the Lord, he will command you how to do it, when to do it, what to say, and you will do much more in your lifetime than anybody else could do in their lifetime. You can do much more in three years than anybody could do in their lifetime. That is why it's so important to get heaven's command on a matter. I mean, that is amazing. Uh, Then Jesus taught his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And that is Luke 18 verse 1. Wow. Don't give up on prayer. And you know what that story is? That's the story about the widow woman. She went in front of the unjust judge to uh, deliver her from anniversaries. And she kept on going and kept on persisting and persisting and persisting. And God said to, to uh, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, this woman kept on persisting to the unjust judge that eventually said, she's going to just weigh me down with this nagging. I'm just going to give her what she wants. And Jesus said, that is your attitude. Call to me when you need help. I'm a loving father. I'm not unjust. I'm a loving, caring, justice God. Call to me and I will help you quickly. So Jesus tells us, here's a parable in Luke 18 and how to deal with the matter. Go to me. Call on me. Luke 6, 12 says, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God, Luke 6, 12. So here Jesus teaches us that he himself, without sin, did great miracles was praying. You know, another thing you brought up earlier on, which I want to just bring back, you said that in prayer, there's miracles. Now, I want to use a natural example to explain what a miracle, how a miracle happens now. Mary was with the miracle worker, Jesus, his mother. And she said, there is not enough wine, do something. And he said, It's not my time. And she went and told everybody that was his disciples, do whatever he tells you. At a time of need, Mary told him, do something. He said, it's not my time, but I will do it. Because why? She asked. A miracle is, I'm going to go out of time and make it happen. On the earth's time, everything is time and season. 
When you ask God for a miracle, you are talking to him, just like how Mary spoke to him. She spoke to him in the flesh. And when we talk to God, it's as if we, he's, he's here. Because the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places at the right hand side of the Father in Christ. Our spirit is one with Christ. We can be like his mother Mary and say, God, I need something. And he's going to say, it's not time. Nonetheless, I'm going to give it because I'm a miracle worker. She knew who Jesus was. Before Jesus was conceived in her, the angel came and told her, he is God in the flesh. So she knew that she was birthing a miracle worker. So when there was a need, she immediately told Jesus, do it. And he said, it's not my time, but he did it. And that's why she said to the disciples, do whatever he says, because she knew there was a need and he's going to do it because he's the miracle worker. Amen. So that is what prayer is, a conversation with a miracle worker. See your relationship with God the way Mary spoke to him. We talk about the different types of prayers and their purpose. We went through what is prayer. We went through how do you pray. We went through why you pray. Now let's quickly talk about the different types of prayers and their purpose. Angelina, Mark 12, 11 and 24. Prayer of faith. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for for in prayer, believe that you have received it, that it will be yours. Then Matthew 21, 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. I love it. So you have a prayer called the prayer of faith, where you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that which you are believing for. Remember, the receiving is based about believing in the heart. Okay? The prayer of petition, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, it's like what Charles Spurgeon said. Prayer is a transaction. So if you have a petition, take it to the Lord. It's a transaction. You're telling him, I have these list of things I really need. I appreciate you. I thank you that you provide. And then the transaction is God hears your petition and he brings it. He makes your request uh, to you. Then there's prayer for thanksgiving, Angelina. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, no matter what happens, always be thankful for this is God's will for you who belong. Christ Jesus. Prayer of thanksgiving, it is God's will for us. Absolutely, I love it. Always be grateful. Never understand the value of the giver if you don't have thankfulness. A person who's a victimized person does not appreciate the giver. They appreciate the gift that they have because they feel they owe they own it, but they never appreciate the giver of the gift. Thankfulness is Lord, thank you for the gift, but you mean more to me than the gift. Okay, prayer of intercession in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God people in accordance with the will of God. Romans 8, 26, 34. Remember, if we pray in understanding, we're praying by what we know. 
But the will of God for our lives, not everybody knows it. We don't know. We might not have the full blueprint from heaven on the will of God for our life. And when we pray for other people, we don't know the full blueprint of God for their life. So if we pray in understanding, we pray with limited knowledge. But when you pray in the spirit, you pray the full blueprint of God's life that that will be manifested in the in the flesh. So intercession, it's necessary. It, it, it edifies you, it charges you up, but it also enables you to pray God's perfect will over your life and not limited will over your life because you can pray in part because you see in part. If you are not fully walking in the spirit, you are consumed between walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh, then you have a divided mindset about everything. So you end up praying in part. You end up praying by partly what you see in the flesh and you ignore what the Spirit of God tells you. So that is why intercession is necessary because then you pray the full picture. Even though you don't understand it, in time God brings the revelation to you. That is why God says, call to me and I will answer you and show you things you do not know. When you pray in the Spirit, you begin to see the things you do not know. So it's important to pray in intercession. Interesting, Myrtle, the next one is a song of victory prayer. So you can pray a song. I mean, Je Deborah and Barak prayed a victory song as a prayer to the Lord. So I'm going to read parts of it. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when their people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. This is a song of prayer. Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. You rulers. I even, I will sing to the Lord. I praise the Lord and the God of Israel in song. She's praying in song to the Lord. Hey, do you want to read us verse 4? When you, Lord, went out from Sire, when you marched from the land of Eden, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water. She's praising God there. And here, Deborah is singing this beautiful song to the Lord, and she's praising the Lord for all that he did. So listen, praying in song is good. I mean, Myrtle can tell you we pray in song. I absolutely love it. When I pray in song, I pray, I feel like I sing really good. But if I'm not praying in song, I got a terrible voice. Listen, God anoints your voice when you pray. In tongues. So, but but again, when you sing in 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 a prayer to the Lord, it is an anointed prayer that you yourself are like, wow, I feel like I'm in an orchestra. That is what happens. The Holy Spirit anoints you when you sing in prayer. Don't be shy to sing in prayer. Then we get to corporate prayer. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So as we have just highlighted now, there's different types of prayer. We are going to go through it quickly. There's the prayer of faith. There's the prayer of petition, a prayer of thanksgiving, the prayer of intercession, a song of victory prayer and a corporate prayer. So there's different types of prayer. When you get together, define which prayer you is necessary and go and get that prayers happening. Have conversations with the Lord, right? Corporate prayer, we have that every morning. We call it our boardroom conversation with the chairman of the company, which is God. God has built this business, Psalms 127.1. Unless the Lord builds this business, the builders build it in vain. So we know that every morning at eight o'clock, we are in the courtrooms of heaven, having a transactional with the Father in heaven. What does prayer do 
for the one that's praying? What are their desired outcomes? Firstly, Jeremiah 33 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Only a friend will reveal those unsearchable things to their friends. When you call to God, you become a friend of God, like what he did with Abraham. He said to Abraham, go look up in the stars, see if you can count it. That is how numerable your people are going to be on the earth. It, for the human mind, you can't comprehend it. But because you, uh, uh, Abraham had a relationship, a friendship with God, God was able to reveal these unsearchable things that will happen in the future because he knew that he had a sound friendship with Abraham that Abraham would be able to comprehend it. So when you pray, you develop a friendship with the Lord that he can be able to show you things that you do not know. And then um, 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he is us. I love this one, Myrtle. 1 Chronicles 16, 11. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. When we pray, the outcome is we are like Christ. Mark eleven twenty five, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, give them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. That's a prayer of forgiveness, Angelina. Absolutely. And then we look at Jeremiah 29, 11. God is willing. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. The outcomes of prayer is you'll know that God is willing and wants to heal you, wants to provide, wants to bless you, wants to give you a good quality lifestyle. You know, coming back to what you were saying about Mark eleven twenty five. When you pray, it humbles you because you realize that when you are in the presence of holiness, we are just sinners and we repent from even a thought that was not good or even an attitude that is not good. In God's presence, Myrtle, when I go there, I just see everything in my life that I don't like. And I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry that I thought this about that person. And he sees the state of my heart and still loves me. It humbles me to now forgive others. So prayer life promotes you to act out forgiveness. It humbles you to forgive other people. We're just going to go to a couple. There's many that we are going to put up in our write-up that we have for you, but because of time, we cannot go through all of it. Isaiah 40, 29, 31 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar in wings like eagles and will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That is exactly what happens when you pray. You are strengthened and increased in power from on high because the strength of Christ comes on to you because you spend time with the creator therefore his strength comes upon you then hebrews 4 15 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was out without sin let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us 
in our time of need. Wow, Myrtle, that is so relevant. So we leave you today with these amazing outcomes of prayer. What happens to you when you pray? The world has become darker and it has become more wicked and you need to operate in the uh, with the power from on heaven. And if the devil keeps on telling you that you are full of sin and you are going to fall apart and gives you every evil report, then you are going to perish. But God has given you the ability to enter his throne room of grace because when you have a relationship with the Lord, you understand that you have right to enter the boardroom of heaven and to be able to boldly and confidently say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. You can say, Abba, Father, let not my will be done, but your will. Abba, Father, I have sinned in the sight of you, but thank you for the blood of Jesus. Oh, Father God, I'm in time of need. Please help me. You can boldly enter into the throne room of grace because you understand that you are not seeing God as a legalistic, that he's a, he's a judge and he's not a loving father. Prayer helps you to enter heaven's throne room knowing that he's my daddy. Whenever I enter in, he's going to lift the scepter and say, come in. He's going to do what the king did with, with Esther. He said, come, I have, you have found favor in my sight. Whenever we enter the throne, we go in boldly and confidently to fellowship with the Lord because we have found favor in his sight. So do not, do not, do not ever stop praying. Prayer is not praying all the time as in 24 hours a day. I love what Joshua Salmon says. He says, pray without ceasing doesn't mean you must pray 24 hours a day because if you do that, then you cannot fulfill anything in life. God has given your body to do certain things. If all you're doing is praying, you wouldn't be able to do anything else. So he says, praying without ceasing means praying consistently, meaning having a relationship with the Lord consistently. So be consistent with your prayer life. It'll help you to get those desired outcomes that we speak about. But go into the website, uh, Women of Africa Care. We've got a, a page called Work on Air, as well as Gospel for Grampian. It puts up our write-up. We've got 17 outcomes that prayer gives for a person. You must read it, embrace it. Prayer is good for you. I love, I'm going to end today, Myrtle, with a statement by Robert Villard. He says, without communication, relationships fall apart. So too, our relationship with God suffers when we do not communicate with him. So please, I encourage you, beautiful listeners of Gospel for Grampian, I trust you were blessed with this. Pray without ceasing, as in let your prayer life be consistent so that you can get consistent results. Amen. Thank you, Angelina. I enjoyed every second of this prayer moment. So go into your uh, bedroom, go close the door, and sit in the presence of God. Just soak in the presence of God. And let his commands come to your ears so you can do what he says you to do and you can see what he does and follow it. We love you. Happy prayer life. Bye-bye. Bye.